this is Monroe Stone. I'm from Stowe, Ohio. And you're listening to Barbecue Central. Start the game! Let's go! We'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Welcome to the really big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things that are important to the world of barbecue and grilling. The show originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City, Bomb City, USA, Cleveland, Ohio. The barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evenings live fire fun and frivolity show. If you want to jump in on the show this evening or you don't know how to follow it because it's your first time in and you need all that info, here's how you do it. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Follow us on all the social media channels at BBQ Central Show. And be sure to subscribe to the show podcast feed on your favorite podcast platform. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you didn't get the newsletter coming up in about... 12 minutes from now, the second Tuesday of the month, in the first interview segment. Of course, the creator of AmazingRibs.com, the globe's most heavily trafficked barbecue and grilling website, Meathead, is once again in his usual spot. And then after Meathead, we will be joined by the Southern Living's barbecue editor, also recurring guest here on the second Tuesday of every month. But in the second interview segment, 35 past, Robert Moss joins us and that will bring a close to the first hour and then we will move to the second hour where you would usually find this guy in the last Tuesday or fourth Tuesday of every month in the second hour making up one third of the embedded correspondent team I have turned him around in two weeks time and had him come on to do an update on the quarterly food trailer business that we have been tracking. He is, of course, the pitmaster of Salt City Barbecue and the same-named food trailer, Rusty Monson, joins us. Getting all the live, local, and late-breaking updates from Rusty as it relates to the Salt City Barbecue food trailer, what's been going on the last 90 days, what the outlook for here over the next 90 days is. So looking forward to the old 90 and the look ahead to the new 90 and there he is jumping in in the instant chat somebody that i meant to reach out to today but i didn't but i will tomorrow smoking joe's pit barbecue because we have to get him lined up for his second interview or his second quarterly visit as somebody that's just opened a food trailer business himself and he's the new one we're tracking here in 2023 so rusty monson 
We'll be leading off the second hour, and then we will leave an open segment to close out the show, 35 past the second hour, as I give a little reaction to the baseball and barbecue podcast that came out at the close of last week. If you are not subscribed to that, if you are not a fan of baseball, but a fan of barbecue, then I would suggest subscribing to the baseball and barbecue podcast and listening to only the barbecue side. But perhaps listening to the baseball side might turn you into a baseball fan. Or maybe you're like me. You love baseball. You love barbecue. This is a podcast that serves both sides of the coin. Baseball and barbecue, hosted by Len Hollywood Aberman and Jeff the Old Coot Cohen, who won out of their way to dedicate a whole segment, I'm sorry, a whole episode, not a segment, but a whole episode to me and why I should be getting into the Barbecue Hall of Fame this year. I think they made arguments on why I should already be in, if nothing else, on why I should be in this year or why I should be in, period. Maybe I don't get in this year, maybe not ever, I don't know. But they went well out of their way to make a case not only on their own, but had a host of no less than 10 other barbecue luminaries. Some are in the Barbecue Hall of Fame. Some are just big names that you know that feel a kinship to me or feel like it would be a just do for me to get in. And what can I say? I'm very honored, so I'll make sure that I take some time out to give my thoughts on the episode and give my thank yous because certainly wasn't expecting that it was done completely in the dark. Nobody tipped me off that this was happening. So if that was the plan, Jeff and Len, everybody that you picked held firm, all the NDAs that you had them sign were not broken. Of course I would tell on anybody in a second because if it's news, it's news, but I am happy to tell you that nobody even let on that anything like this was going on. So uh, very humbled that you guys would dedicate a whole episode to me. And we'll talk about that at the close of the show. Don't forget, you can follow me socially, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat, at BBQ Central Show. We also say good evening to those of you watching tonight through one of the video streaming platforms, which is Facebook and Twitch slash BBQ Central Show. You can also watch through YouTube slash RD Rempe. And you can stream audibly on Clubhouse as well. Let's see if we have even anything going. Well, yes, we do. There's Johnny Maggs taking in the show through Clubhouse here this evening. By the way, as time allows, in that 35 past the second hour segment, I do have a book that I can give away too. So maybe we go to the Clubhouse and get a winner that way. Who knows? But let's not lose focus here we have a strict agenda to get to which includes a new youtube poll question of the week which i'll try to make sure that i ask all the guests here this evening but we start out with you the centralites and the question is as follows do you have or are you planning to build an outdoor kitchen area in 2023 and currently 62 percent of you are saying nope I would like to think that I would be in a position to do an outdoor kitchen at some point. It's not going to be in 2023, so mark me down as part of that 62%. But I don't see it happening this year. And it, I would have to have a 
little bit different setup on, I don't really have anywhere on the back of the house that I could put it that would be close enough to the house. And then the side yard is a little thin on the width. It would have to be a whole revamping if I was going to have to. Then I don't know if I would have a lot of area to get around. I got some logistical issues is what I'm saying here, folks. So it's probably not going to happen for me ever. The good news is this quick access to whatever I need inside multitude of cookers on the outside. So if I can't have an outdoor kitchen, which odds are, I'm probably not a that's fine. And B I have alternative means. However, some other folks are really into this whole living up. And if you live in a great climate area, San Diego, the Texas, Florida, places where it's generally nice out. And to me, anything over 45 degrees, if you can get to 45 degrees plus every single day, you're living in a very nice area. You're not really enjoying the outdoor kitchen at zero or 20 below. You're just looking at it. So I would like to get a lot of use out of that. And I'm not in a climate advantageous region of the country in order to do that. But it's it's not fully out of the question, but it's certainly not in the agenda here for the next year or two. We can leave it at that. As now 67% of you are saying, no, you're not going to do any type of outdoor kitchen or you don't have one already existing. I got a number of emails over the week, of course, talking about the Sam the Cooking Guy episode. I'll get to a few of those here as we get ready to take the first break and then bring Meathead in. Jack in Tennessee is writing in, Greg, am I trying to read into something that just isn't there? But I think Sam, the cooking guy, was asking you to do a podcast with him in a roundabout way. He asked about doing a two-hour show, and to me, he's testing the waters with the possibility of a podcast. What do you think? I think it would be one of the best podcasts out there. Love the show. Live listener only regards Jack. Jack, you in the instant chat anywhere, or do you just take it in as a lurker like there used to be on the forums when I had a forum? A lot of lurkers on the forums. Not a lot of people wanted to jump in and give a handle or anything like that. Jack, I hate to burst your bubble. I think the odds of Sam and I doing a podcast are about as good as me having an outdoor kitchen here in 2023. Nick in Georgia writing in, Greg, I am a member of your Barbecue Central Show group on the Facebook, and I also follow you on Twitter. I saw that picture of you and Johnny Trigg. Do you have a real context? To that picture you can tell us about you mentioned something about him trying to take a swing at you is that true big fan of the show podcast listener only regards nick nick that picture has a lot of internet lore to it at this point so for me to shed the truth on that would be blatantly reckless i'm not gonna do that, that if you would care to think that a barbecue legend might have taken a poke at me like 12 years ago or however long that was. I mean, I didn't have any gray in my hair back then. That was a young man. That's up to you to decipher. There's plenty of internet information out there. Take it with a grain of salt. Ask Clint Cantwell. Ask John Dawson. Ask some of the teams that were at that Kingsford Invitational. You might get split reports, but I was there and I know what happened. We'll leave it at that. Hey, Meathead's in the green room, and he's ready to rock and roll. See, there he is right there, ready to go. We'll get to him here in a second. 
I'll talk to you quickly about Pits and Spits, the best-looking, best-cooking smokers and grills. Pits and Spits offering a full family of products, including traditional offset smokers, wood pellet grills, charcoal grills, travel grills combination pits, fire pits, and much more. Pits and Spits has been one of the only American fabrication shops focused on smokers and grills for almost 40 years. Why is that important? It enables them to put an emphasis on quality and design, locally sourced materials, and unmatched attention to detail from the fully welded barrels to the heavy gauge steel. They bring both function and beauty to life. Quite simply, Pits and Spits builds every product with the intention that it's going to get passed down from generation to generation. So if you're into competition barbecue or you just want to take the barbecue grilling game in the backyard to the next level, no better or easier way than to do it with a Pits and Spits. Check them out at this custom website, pitsandspits.com slash bbqcentral, all spelled out. And use promo code bbqcentral at checkout. You can get a free spice pack when you accumulate $500 or more. So if you're into accessories, just get $500 of accessories and then check out with promo code bbqcentral, get a free spice pack. Or know this, if you're getting a cooker, all you have to do is drop that in. You know it's going to be more than $500. No cheapos here at Pits and Spits, only the highest quality. But just use promo code BBQCentral for a freebie, a spice pack. And check them out at the website pitsandspits.com slash BBQCentral. That's pitsandspits.com slash BBQCentral. We're back with Meathead right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. You visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase you can also visit their website to see what other products they have. And the great news is this. We've finally been able to nail down Chris Becker for an upcoming interview, so stay tuned for that. Question number one is going to be, what's with these charcoal pellets everybody's talking about? I thought that was poppycock when we talked about it five or six years ago, or however long that was. Who knows? My first guest tonight has done it. He's created the most heavily trafficked barbecue and grilling website on the face of the earth. And he's done it from scratch. He's a best-selling author, a barbecue hall of famer, and a barbecue central show guest hall of famer. Of course, we're talking about meathead. Hey, pal. Good, good gracious. Are you on speed tonight? I can't wait. <laughs> I am ready to, It's no pun intended, but I'm ready to rock and roll here this evening, meathead. How about it? Well, hello to you and all the centralites, and good to be back. Meathead, last month, we were debating outside of the show if we should talk about what we're going to be talking about this evening from a barbecue grilling topic, or if we were going to be talking about artificial intelligence. We dove headlong into artificial intelligence, so much so that you were then giving a speech at the RIT, the Rochester Institute of Technology. So quick follow-up to that. How did it go, and did you get more questions post on... AI and what everybody should do and how quickly everybody needs to hide and count how quickly their lives are going to end online? Or 
Was it more barbecue and grilling related questions? Um, the audience was wrapped. It was a, a great uh, uh, crowd. They were mostly um, MBA graduates uh, out there in the working world. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, I had uh, one or two questions on AI and then all barbecue. Wow. They all wanted to talk barbecue. Uh, but I was told by the host that uh, it was the best received uh, presentation and uh, uh, that's all they could talk about because a month ago, I mean, this this thing is a snowball rolling downhill, gathering steam, and it's amazing. There's still a lot of people who don't know what is going on and don't know about Chat GPT and don't know how it's going to change our lives. And uh, my presentation was about how it's going to change websites. Mm -hmm. And uh, by the way, we are uh, currently um, looking at installing it on our website. I am currently looking at installing it on my website too. However, even though I have a brand new website for 2023, I'm already looking into getting another brand new website in 2023, but I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> anyway. That's going to cost you money. Yeah, I know. And that's, that's the, that's what has, what it's come to again. Let's we, and last week, Meathead, I was going West to Ohio to do some actual daytime work, which I haven't done in a long time. And I wasn't sure if I was going to be making my way out to the fair city of Chicago, Illinois or not. But at a late notice, it was put on the agenda as go ahead. So I went out of my way, left my business meeting in Minster, Ohio, which nobody has heard of unless you live in Minster, Ohio. And Got to Chicago and shot you a text along the way and said, hey, oh, by the way, if you're available tonight, I'm going to be in Chicago. Meathead says, I'm clearing the schedule. We got together. We did it again, Meathead. Crazy. Yeah, this is like three or four, four, I think, times we've met. I can tell you this. I enjoy hanging out with you. You're fun. And you brought your the second of your three daughters. I've met two of them now. She was the third. And, oh, uh, yes. Right, you, right, right. You, yeah. Oh, yeah. You um, uh, are, are are breeding beautiful young women and athletes and athletes. Right. Yes. Well, I mean, she look. was here for a volleyball tournament. That's right. Got her butt kicked. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think over the life of the show. I don't think I've met anybody more in person than one meathead. Oh, how about that? We've met. At a previous volleyball tournament, we met at uh -huh. a modeling thing in Chicago that my middle daughter had. Then again for uh -huh. this volleyball tournament. Then also at the Kingsford Invitational that I was referencing in the open. Uh -huh. And maybe there was a was there was there maybe I've, there was an NBBQ. I've lost track. So we're so like we, we we're had best fun. friends. I think we're we, best friends. Let's let's call it right now. We're best buddies. We we had um, a fun meal too. Um, we went to a Korean barbecue restaurant, right. um, and, uh, we sat around a, um, a hot pot, a, um, uh, if they call it a hibachi in the center of the table. And, uh, they gave us thin slices of brisket and other cuts of meat. And we threw them on the flame and grilled them up and dunked them in all kinds of fun sauces and, uh, practiced our, um, Chopsticking. <laughs> mm. Two two uh, two thirds of us were very poor. Yeah, yeah. 
never thought of myself as a chopstick teacher. Well, <laughs> I've never been to a Korean barbecue restaurant. So, A, thank you for the experience. And uh, Marley talked about it all night and talked about how uh, what a cool guy you were and uh, taking oh, us yeah. uh, after dinner to the uh, to the boba place where, you know, I'd never had uh, such a, a, a weird drink. It, I mean, I've never heard of pudding milk in my life. But the drink that I had uh, had pudding milk in it, it was uh, something else. But, I mean, all in all, it was a, a great evening. And then uh, before I knew it, something else came up. And at uh, 9 o'clock in the morning, I was headed back to Cleveland the next day. So I'm glad we were able to put such quick plans together on Thursday because otherwise we would have been wiped out. It was fun. Yes. It was fun. Here's the agenda item for this evening, Meathead. Everybody wants to talk about it. Everybody knows about them. But what do they really know about them? It's drip pans and water pants as we get ready to gear up for the official start of the barbecue and grilling season, which, of course, is coming up here shortly for Memorial Day. Do we want to tackle drip pans first or do we want to tackle water pans first? Let's do water pans All right, first. Let's go ahead. Everybody knows about water pans and especially old timers who got started on the Weber Smoky Mountain. Um, which is many of us. Yep. Uh, the Weber Smoky Mountain has a deep bowl uh, above the charcoal and below the meat, and you fill it with water. And uh, a lot of people think that it adds humidity to the atmosphere and helps keep the meat from drying out. And that's not true. That's not what it does. It, it does some things, but not that. What it Number one, the water cannot get above 212. And in fact, it rarely gets above 190 because as it evaporates, it cools. So it rarely gets above 190, and that helps keep the temperature down. You've got a lot of hot coals down below, and you always want to have a stable temperature in your cooker. And so that water pan helps mediate temperature. The other thing it does is, is thinking about this now, you take your meat out of the fridge, and you should not let it sit at room temperature. You take it out of the fridge, and it's cold and you put it in the smoker and humidity comes off of that water pan at 190, but the meat is 38, what yep. happens? It condenses, just like steam condenses on your bathroom mirror, uh, a process called thermophoresis. Um, uh, the, um, the, the water particles are attracted to the cold surface of the meat and they stick to the meat and that cools the meat. It doesn't add a lot of moisture, a little bit, um, but you know, there's a lot of air moving through that smoker. Remember, you got charcoal and oxygen going on in there to create combustion, to create energy, to cook the food, and it's a ton of oxygen going through there. Mm. I mean, you just put your hand over the vent, you can feel it coming through. So that water pan is not putting a significant amount of humidity into the space. Um, it is blowing right out the vent. Um, and it's not a lot. I mean, if you think about it over a several hour cook, the water pan rarely dries out. Um, it does sometimes dry out over long cooks. Um, so you got to keep an eye on it. Um, otherwise it's a pain to clean. Um, but, uh, what it does mostly is, is it condenses on the meat and the wet surface on the meat attracts smoke particles and they stick to the wet surface. So if you have cold meat, not hot, warm meat, you'll get more smoke flavor and it'll um, uh, it, as the meat cools, it slows the cooking slightly. And that, in co of course, low and slow 
the longer it takes to cook, the more collagen changes, the more fat renders and so on. So it cools things and uh, that's its primary function, plus stabilizing temperature. What about taking water out of the equation altogether, still using the pan? Uh, I remember when mm-hmm. I was first getting into this, there were a lot of folks over at Virtual Weber Bullet where I got my whole start yep. and a lot of my information base from was forget the water, pain in the butt, as you said, if, uh, over a long cook, it never fails, it's going to run out sometime when you're sleeping finally. And now you're yep. contending with temperature spikes. It's hard to clean out, as you had mentioned. Ditch the water, sand in the pan. That was all the rage back in the early 2000s when I was getting into it. you like sand in the pan, or is that potential hazard? There's a reason they call it a water pan. Hmm. Um, it's it, not a sand pan. Um, the beauty of the water is, as I said, is that it rarely gets above 190. So it stabilizes temperature, keeps it down, and then, of course, you have the humidity uh, uh, condensing. Sand can heat up to whatever temperature it wants. Sand can go to 500, 1,000, whatever that charcoal is. So you're not going to get the stabilization effect. Mm. It's not going to uh, dampen down um, temperature. And you're certainly not putting a- um, humidity in the atmosphere. The other thing people like to put in there is fruit juice, beer, onions, wine, and they think somehow or other it's going to flavor the meat. If you want to flavor meat, there is no better way to flavor meat than go to your spice rack. Um, that, that is really concentrated, intense flavor. Uh, the, the amount of flavor, well, beer, at the most, beer is 3%, 3.5% flavor compounds. And they evaporate slowly. And some of them hit the meat. Some of them condense on the meat. Most of them blow right past the meat and go out the chimney. So you're not putting any flavor on. People put onions in there, all kinds of stuff in there. You're not flavoring the meat. You want onion flavor? Put it on the meat. Um, And uh, it just is not going to affect the flavor. Are there any other things from a water pan that we need to take into account or things that we shouldn't be doing that have just been long spread misinformation? Um, No, I think a good technique that a lot of people do is they line it with foil. Mm -hmm. Um, That makes it easier to clean up. You get fat dripping in there. You get um, uh, spices and herbs coming off. You get a lot of that stuff dripping off. And these pans can be a pain to clean. And also, sometimes you might want to use that water pan as a drip pan. Now, let's differentiate drip pan from water pan. A drip pan is something you want to use to collect those juices so you can actually capture those juices and you can use them as a base. Um, if it's mostly fat, you can use it as a frying oil. Um, uh, but what I love to do is I love to make a stock in a drip pan. Now, I'll either use the water pan on my Weber Smoky Mountain or more likely I'll get a disposable aluminum pan or just a 9 by 13 baking pan. And I'll, it, like, for example, if I'm doing a turkey or a chicken, the neck goes in there. The excess skin from around the uh, cavities go in there. The tips of the wings go in there. The gizzard goes in there. Um, not the liver. Liver has a funny flavor. I keep that out. Um, some um, carrots, some celery, some apples, um, celery leaves in particular, um, a, a handful of herbs and spices, maybe some apple juice, some wine, uh, water, stock, whatever. So you fill this pan 
with flavor. <laughs> and as the meat cooks, it drips. Fat goes in there as well as water, moisture, my myoglobin or myowater. And you build flavor on there. And then the smoke condenses on the cold, watery surface. And so when you're done doing your turkey or when your turkey is almost done, I pull that pan out, strain it, get rid of all the solids, taste it. Um, and if it needs to be concentrated, just throw it on the stovetop, cook it down, give it a pinch of salt if it needs it. And you've got this marvelous turkey stock, which is a great gravy. Or if you want to add flour to it and make your standard um, roux type gravy, go right ahead. But it's wonderful. And I've done this with beef roasts, turkeys, chickens. Um, those drip pans make marvelous stock. Also, don't get confused where if you have a pellet cooker, there is traditionally some kind of drip pan that sits below the cooking grate there as well. Um, some might call also that a, a heat deflector, um, but mm -hmm. some also synonymously call it a drip pan of some sort. Uh, you're talking about a contraption that's actually going to collect juices um, or that you can put stuff in it from the beginning, not something that's keeping direct heat away from what you're cooking. Yeah, yeah, and it does the same thing. It puts moisture in the atmosphere, which condenses on the meat. I remember a couple of years ago, we were talking about pellet cookers, and you said you don't cover any of your grills, which I thought was barbaric. And then you also said that you didn't put any foil on your deflector pans or your uh, your drip pans. You still no, live by now. that law? You talked me into it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, well, I've just got so tired of cleaning up all that garbage on my uh, deflector. Uh, it you know, and it would it would carbonize and burn in, and it was just, and it had, it was greasy, and it was smoking, it was <laughs> disgusting. So I now put foil on top of that deflector, um, and that makes it really easy to clean up. Oh, man. I was just going to say, you he know, didn't talk me into putting cover on my well, grill. I, look, I in in complete. <laughs> transparency while i'm still a foiler of uh, deflector pans just from a cleaning standpoint uh, i'm a little obnoxious about that i do have two specific the last two cookers i got one's an oklahoma joe uh, rider dlx pellet grill and the most recent one nobody else in the vast land of the united states has one of these grills only me and i know that to be the case because nobody's selling it right now and guess what it is Mita? it's a 100 percent thermostatically controlled gas grill. It's not the one that Oklahoma Joe is making the cruise, I think, where you plug it in, you set a temperature and you know, this is done on the true capillary technology where you know, the fluid heats up and it shuts the valve off. And then when it cools down, it opens it back up. Nobody else in the whole country has one except your pal in the rock and roll hall of fame city. Well, I got to see this. Yeah. I got to come to Cleveland. Oh, well, I'll send you pictures. I, I've been, I think, you know, I've been campaigning for thermostatically controlled grills for years. I mean, I, I think I've told the story before here that a few years ago, the uh, thermostat on my GE oven indoors in the kitchen broke down and I found a replacement online for like 50 bucks and I was able to install it myself. And I'm thinking if I can install a thermostat on my GE oven, um, that cheaply, why can't Weber or Charboil or somebody else? Now, I understand it's more complicated. You got four burners and all that other stuff. 
But, you know, if we want to attract more people to barbecue and grilling, um, uh, why not put thermostats on these things? And also it'll improve the quality of the food. I mean, that's one of the reasons I think the pellet smokers are so popular mm. is that you can set it and forget it. And they are so precise. I've measured the sinusoidal curve, which is what you get this S-shaped curve where when you fire up your either your indoor oven or your pellet smoker, the temp say you set it for 225. Temperature might go up to 230, then down to 220, then up to 230, but it averages 225. Yep. The range of that sinus, of the sinuses, the peaks and valleys of that curve is tighter on my uh, Mac pellet smoker than it is on my GE oven. Hmm. Well, I think you would be pretty impressed with the unit that I have right now. There's a chance that somebody's going to bring it into the country and sell it, but it's not at that stage yet. So uh, when I get it out did, the next did time. Did you say who makes it? Um, oh. Well, I don't know the manufacturer. I mean, I think it's called a uh, Vida. Vida? V-I-D-A? I think is the name of the we're, grill. We're outside now and take a look at it, and I'll hold down the show. No, 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 no. We're not going to do that. I'll go ahead and make sure I do it after the show, send it to you. I know it was uh, it's from a company out in uh, Canada. It was sold through Canadian Tire, which is a huge retailer out in Canada. It was, you know, one of their folks actually came up with the concept and then the manufacturer actually put it together and they've been retailing it in Canada for the last year or so. And I think they're looking to try and bring it into the States, but nobody is at this point. Um, biting on bringing it in, but I've, we'll see about it. I've, I've heard manufacturers say, oh, that'll take all the fun out of grilling. Oh, come on. Yeah. Uh, who needs fun in grilling anymore? Forget yeah, it. Yeah, let's stay up all night. Let's, and Yeah, let's do that. Anyway. Sit by our smokers, drinking beer, dozing off. Right. Meathead is here. You can find him at AmazingRibs.com. You can also find him right here on the second Tuesday of every month, 14 past the hour. And you can get all of his information at the Pitmasters Club, which you should be signing up for if you're not already. He's got rubs out. There's a new book on the way, which we continue to talk about. So, Meathead, as always, thank you for a great time last week. And mm. I look forward to talking to you in May. I look forward to being here. All right. Meathead, everybody. If you ever get a chance, not that you would, I'm high level. But if you ever get a chance to hang out with Meathead, man, this guy is a card. Worth the price of admission, no doubt about it. And the guy that you just saw for the last 20 minutes is the same person that would be sitting in front of you. He is inquisitive. He's got stories. He's anxious to learn. He knows a lot. So it's great to listen to him talk. I mean, wow, it's... Uh, if you spend five hours with him, it's not enough. If you spend one hour with him, it's not enough. He is a true gentleman, and it's always my pleasure when we have the opportunity to visit in person. Plus, uh, the longstanding relationship that we've had together on the show. So, a great time. Meathead, thank you. And we will see you in May. Before we get to Robert Moss, who's waiting. What do we love about ceramic cookers? Well, we love that they are fuel efficient. Yes. We love that you can achieve low and slow temperatures for traditional barbecue meats. We love that you can get rip-roaring hot. 
for high-temperature grilling of steaks and other thin cuts. But what's missing in the everyday ceramic cooker lineup? The real ability to do true two-zone cooking. Two-zone cooking is very important to both professional and backyard cooks alike. It's the best way to manage a fire and cook with confidence. However, getting a two-zone fire in a round ceramic cooker is not very realistic. Why? Because it's round. Enter Primo Grills in the game-changing oval design. The shape gives you the ability to execute a two-zone setup that you desire. It also gives you the other ceramic grill benefits as well. So when you break it down, there's more than 60 different ways to configure and cook on a Primo cooker. So you're only limited by your culinary imagination. All the accessories that you want, recent upgrades include the lift hinge. You have the top and bottom air dampers that have been revamped. You have the Primo Grill rotisserie, the Primo Grill pizza accessory, the rib rack, the half drip pans. They got everything right now. All available at your local dealer. Go to primogrill.com. That's primogrill.com. Find that dealer near you. See all the different size ovals that they have and then pick the one that's best for you. Here's the bottom line. Best ceramics in the biz? Yes. Patented technology? Yes. True two-zone cooking capabilities and multiple sizes? I just told you all of that. Visit primogrill.com. Find a dealer near you. Touch them, feel them, and then take one home for your very own. Primogrill.com. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram. We're back with Robert Moss right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And we thank Meathead for joining us last segment. This portion being brought to you by Fireboards. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth. If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant or other smart speakers in your home, you're in luck because Fireboard fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. Jason King is watching the show here through YouTube chat, and he has helped me out with the name of that grill it's the vita essence kinger always on top of the barbecue and grilling game especially when it comes to canadia because he is from canadia my next guest is the contributing barbecue editor for southern living magazine an accomplished author he's also a restaurant critic we race to the hotline and welcome back our pal robert moss hey robert Good evening, Greg. How are you? I am absolutely fabulous. Robert, do you have any thoughts on either drip pans or water pans before we get going? Um, nothing as comprehensive as Meathead. He covers it well, but I, I do use a water pan in my big upright smoker, and it works very well. So I'm a big big fan of it. I haven't, haven't tried to make stock or anything like that, uh, and I definitely um, like to line it with foil. That saves a lot, lot of cleanup. So I, I agree with you guys. I'm most every point there youtube poll question of the week i know meathead would say no but i'll ask you (laughs) do you have or are you planning to build an outdoor kitchen area in 2023 well first i guess the question is what define an outdoor kitchen area so i have a grilling area it's one of the uh what separates built-ins it's got the the tabletops you know the whole outdoor kitchen area okay so you have to have actually fashioned like yes you know Paid money to have contract contractors come out. Yes. And, Tens and of thousands. Uh, of thousands. I have a per, yeah, I have a pretty good patio with a nice table and a couple of grills and a circle and a little 
uh, back door right to my garage where I have a beer fridge and you know all the all the essentials, but nothing that was uh, installed professionally. So uh, I do not have one. Uh, I will not be doing one in 2023. All I can right. guarantee you. We are uh, just finishing up uh, two major bathroom remodels here at at, uh, at my house and. So I'm finally back in my home office after being sort of uh, working in temporary spaces for six weeks. And so I think that's the renovation budget for 2023. We'll say about 2024, maybe, but I, I have a good space for it. But I, I, it's probably about fourth or fifth on the, uh, mm. the list right now. All right, so it's a no for Robert Moss and 67% of folks voting for the YouTube poll question of the week are also saying no. I also said no, at least for 2023. But I have a, a a weird constraint in width on the side yard, which is where it would have to go. It's all well, I was. It's all I was listening out. to your. Yeah, well, I was listening to your. You know, the the it is true in certain parts of the country. It is a uh, you know where it's zero below and or zero degrees or or below winter. It is limited. Uh, it's limited here in Charleston as well, though. You would think we have year round grilling, but once you get to May or June, it's ninety five degrees, and you know nobody wants to be out in the back patio. So we sort of have it's the opposite thing. Mm. We we are grilling here from. Uh, September straight through till about May. So our season is about to come to a close here. Robert, let's talk about something that's near and dear to my heart because I've had the <laughs> privilege of being the, well, except for one year when semi-famous Dave Anderson ruined it for everybody. We're not going to talk about it. <laughs> the privilege of announcing the nine finalists and then the ultimate three that make up the class of the barbecue hall of fame again over, over the last maybe four or five years so let's if we could do a little bit of a preview you are one of the folks that's on the names committee so yep. maybe let's start there uh, you are one of them who else is on the names committee and what is the names committee's responsibility well, the, the committee uh, really, you know, we sort of are, are, we sort of sit in the middle of the process. So if you think about the intake, uh, the, the uh, nominations for Barbecue Hall of Fame are open to the public. There's an online web form. We'll give the URL in a little bit. Uh, anybody who likes can can nominate someone, uh, and that comes in, and it's it's dozens of upon dozens of people, and then we have to narrow that down to the short list of semifinalists, and that's what the committee does. Uh, we so we, we try to get down to it's been nine names uh, in recent years. It may get a little bit larger this year. We'll see. Uh, but it's been nine in in recent years. Um, Do you have any idea how goes, nine was originally derived? And then why, well, originally why we were would you voting. I think we were voting for three inductees originally. Yeah. So if you look back, there's three each year. Last year we upped that to four inductees. And so there's been some discussion now, since we have more inductees, maybe we should make the list a little bit larger. Uh -huh. So we, we will see. Uh, there will be four inductees again this year. So we have to go from however many that is, 9, 10, 12, down to four. Uh, sort of like the Baseball Hall of Fame, all the previous uh, inductees, living inductees to the Hall of Fame, get to vote on the final list uh, to, to pick that. So the, the names committee is sort of in between to sort of filter that huge uh, inflow of names down to a manageable list of mm -hmm. nine, 10 you know, or, or so names uh, to get to, to the last four. And so like sort of like the Baseball Hall of Fame, it's uh, there are a lot of barbecue writers on there. That's sort of how I got in there. I write about barbecue. Daniel Vaughn from Texas Monthly is on on that. Uh, Adrian Miller, uh, who's written several great books about, about barbecue, is on there. We do have a couple of former Hall of Famer or, or current Hall of Famers, uh, like Ray Lampy is on the list, uh, A.U. Mills. Uh, from uh, or is on the committee from 17th Street Barbecue. Uh, 
her, her father, Mike Mills, is in the uh, in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Jim Alkmoody, who is a longtime writer for the uh, Atlanta Journal Constitution, has written a couple books on barbecue, uh, is is on the committee. So it's a committee of of sort of insiders um, uh, or people who write about barbecue, know a lot about barbecue, uh, and restaurateurs, a mix of restaurateurs and competition people as well that help uh, whittle that list down. The person that has been joining me ever since the beginning when I've been announcing these exclusive uh, finalists and then the folks that actually make up the class a few weeks after that uh, finalist list is announced has been Emily Park, but she is no longer going to be taking part with me. It, it appears somebody by the name of uh, Elizabeth Gunter is going to be the new Emily, and then there may also be a sighting of an Alyssa King who from what Elizabeth was telling me is has quite a tenure uh, within the American Royal itself. So she might be giving her a little bit of uh, guiding influence or showing her the ropes until she feels fully comfortable to turn everything over. So is that set up correct in your estimation? Uh, yeah, that's, that's correct. Yep. Um, Emily did, did move on to other, other pursuits. And so uh, we have some new folks or the American Royal has some new folks who are, are filling in this year. Um, it's, it's sort of funny cause the committee now has been around for a while. So we're able to sort of, you know, show, show them the ropes who are, uh, as they are, as they are getting up, um, uh, up to speed, but yeah, we will, we'll proceed ahead. And again, you know, they mostly just do the coordination cause there's, there's quite a lot of, uh, as you can imagine, pulling together of lists and organizing meetings and getting everybody together on zoom calls and all that, all that good stuff. And they're, they're doing a great job with that. When are nominations closed? for this year well move move fast so the, <laughs> at the end of this week <laughs> so friday uh april 14th the the web form is available uh un, until then i think the easiest way to find it is go to americanroyal.com slash bbq and uh you'll you'll hit the barbecue landing page and there'll be a hall of fame box right in the middle click on that and you'll you'll find the form uh it's, we've actually slimmed the form down a little bit this year a little bit a couple fewer questions uh so you know you don't if I would encourage anyone who who has a you know, somebody they would like to see in the Hall of Fame, please go out and nominate them. It actually does help if you get multiple nominations. If it doesn't, there's, there's no points or scoring, but the committee does see that this person got you know several different nominations coming in, more data points to work from, more, more things to work from. Um, you don't need to write a book, uh, but if you can capture in a paragraph or so the the essence of why that person belongs in the Hall of Fame, that really goes a long way with the committee. So this isn't just a matter of pitching a name and, and hitting submit. You're actually going to have to uh, give a little background on whoever it is that you think has Hall of Fame credentials. So what I'm saying is well, be prepared to don't just say uh, Robert Moss. Uh, what has he done? Don't know. And that's not yeah. helping you make any case whatsoever. Like if you're going to nominate somebody, give the reasons why to be, be prepared yeah, to spend a couple minutes. Be, yeah. Spend a, spend a couple minutes. I say again, 82 paragraphs isn't going to help because you know the committee doesn't want to read all that. Uh, usually, if some, it's it's a barbecue hall of fame, so if you're going to get in, hopefully people in the committee have heard of you before. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, it's you're, it's not really a hall of fame per se. But the, what the real question is is we've heard of lots of these people, but what makes this person special and different? And that's why I focus on. We don't need the whole bio. It needs to be like you know what's the meat of why. How has this person contributed to the legacy of barbecue, the history of barbecue, or is helping shape barbecue today? You know, why are they important? What makes them Hall of Fame worthy? If you can get down to that, that really helps, uh, you know, helps us make our decision. So again, it's AmericanRoyal.com slash BBQ. Then once you hit that page, 
Go to where it says Barbecue Hall of Fame, click that. Then go to where it says Nominations, click that, yep. and then you will be taken to the nomination form, and you can fill it out from there. A couple dates to keep on your calendar for next month. May 8th will be the formal announcement of the nine semifinalists, and then uh, May 24th will be the announcement of the inductees that are living and then the legacy inductees. Is, is the four uh, also inclusive of that impact award, or is that separate over and above? So I think this year there will be four um, Hall of Fame inductees, which will be living uh, members of the barbecue community. There'll be three legacy inductees, which are uh, folks who have passed away. And, and sometimes these are folks from the distance past. Sometimes they're people who may have passed away in just the last couple couple years. Uh, and then there is uh, there is one category called the Impact Award, which we don't have to give every year, but the committee sort of has the option. That's really for some, uh, honoring either people or groups of people don't really fit into the individual category. A lot of times it's organizations, groups, or a name, uh, you know, a, a, a category of people. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that you don't nominate for, but that's something that the, the committee just sort of talks and, and will select. So there'll be nine, I'm sorry, eight total names, four sort of you know, living inductees, three legacy, and then the impact award. Robert, be honest. It's just us gals talking here this evening and we're all grownups. <laughs> Every year my name is nominated, not once, but it's done multiple times for multiple people, and I'm never not going to be nominated, at least as long as I'm doing the show, which is why I'm not doing the show, by the way. I mean, that has nothing to do with it. But I have never even sniffed a final nine list. What gifts? And by the way, this isn't a question from me for you. This is just a question that I get routinely from the fans. So I'm just trying to give them an answer that is more than me just saying, I don't know why, or I'm too irreverent, or I'm not old enough, or whatever. You're somebody that's taken part in these conversations. My name is brought up. Uh, A, how quickly am I dismissed? And then what are the reasons? Well, I'm not at liberty to, to disclose the details of the discussion, but I may be able to give you some. What did you uh, sign an agreement? <laughs> yes, I did. No, oh. I did. There is no formal NDA, but there is a sort of a gentleman's agreement to yes. uh, to to try to at least keep that part of it of it you know confidential. A um, couple of things, though, to make you maybe you know cast some color on being irreverent will will not keep you out of the hall of fame i would say go back and look at some of the people who are in it and uh you know they're, they're ray lampy's in there for crying out loud who gets more yeah, they're, irreverent they're, they're than him all, they're not all sweetness and light right <laughs> uh so that that's not going to that's not going to keep you out um what there's been a lot you know we had a flurry sort of like a re- revitalization of the uh hall of fame a couple of years ago and emily park was instrumental in helping drive out uh, we really pushed uh, the nomination process a lot and really tried to get the word out. And we had a good inflow of nominations mm. for a, a long while. I will say this. We had a good number of new nominations this year, sure. but um, the pool of candidates, I would say, is is starting of, of like the sort of the top candidates is, is staying pretty constant. You know, it, it's, it is a lot of the same people. We were knocking out sort of three a year. Now we're knocking out four a year. So that that pool is getting whittled down. So I would say don't despair. Uh, the, the pool is, is, uh, my time's you know, running out. You have, you have, you have plenty of years of, uh, ahead of you, but, uh, 
but you have good the, the odds are good um and uh you know because the conversations are are lively and uh we, we it's very very hard to whittle down the list that's actually the hardest part you can usually go through all the nominees and quickly knock out about half of them <laughs> and then you got to really get into the the arm wrestling so, it's embarrassing uh, for me because there's folks like the guys over at baseball and barbecue podcast who are doing whole episodes on why i should be in the barbecue hall of fame i mean it's embarrassing <laughs> well, they did do that last year, right? So that's 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 new. Yes, so maybe you're. Oh, 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 sorry, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I said so. Maybe your maybe your stars on the rise. This 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 might be your year. I can't I can't disclose that we haven't actually since nominations are still open. We haven't gotten to the arm wrestling part yet. But uh, you know, I will point out that the the nominations are still open. So anyone listening, get out there, flood that's the right. ballots in. Let's you know, you know, let's get the uh, let's let's get the the voices heard. Flood the ballot, but regardless of who you're going to be nominating, make sure that you are giving a reasonable pitch to Robert and the rest of the names committee. Don't yeah. just half-ass it. Otherwise, it's going to get eliminated very quickly. Make sure you give it the time that it deserves. Because as Robert said, this is a Hall of Fame, so make sure that there are some legitimate reasons behind whoever you're nominating. And then do it right. Do it professionally. Take some time with it. And uh, away we go. Look, here's the bottom line. Did we get to Brunswick Stew here this evening? No, that's a shame. However, we'll make sure that we get to that next month because I have a a long passion for Brunswick Stew. But I also have a, a thought about Brunswick Stew, which I'm just going to tease right now that I'll lead with next month. And then we can really dig into it and talk about Georgia and Virginia and all this other stuff. And, and then maybe we'll have a little bit more insight into the Hall of Fame stuff as well. And, and don't forget South Carolina in the discussion. You may have to talk about them when it comes to Brunswick too. All right, we'll do that. Robert, always appreciate the time, and thanks for coming on tonight. Good thing. Thanks, Greg. Robert Moss, putting him in a tough spot to answer questions, but to his uh, review, or, but to his uh, credit, he did. Good for him. I have way more to speak about uh, when it comes to the Barbecue Hall of Fame in the second hour, so if you're waiting for some type of magical reaction. Uh, I'm not going to do it at this point. But we will talk about it, uh, 35 past, after we get done with Rusty Monson. And next month, as I had mentioned, what we have is a, what it potentially is going to be a very heightened conversation, both in looking back at the history of it, but then uh, what side of the fence you sit on, what makes a good one or not, or what's authentic or what isn't, or where it started. Brunswick stew. So if you're not familiar with Brunswick stew, it is typically found in a lot of barbecue restaurants, and you can certainly look around and see who's got Brunswick stew. I'll tell you next month what I think of when I see Brunswick stew on the menu initially, but then my thoughts can change after that. Uh, once again, for those, uh, John Cloda is in the Insta chat on YouTube asking for the link for the Barbecue Hall of Fame. Uh, John, go to AmericanRoyal.com slash BBQ, and then there's a button that says Barbecue Hall of Fame. You'll click on that, and then there's a thing on that following page which will say Nominations. You'll click on that. And then you'll go to the nominations form, and then you can go ahead and fill it out from there as we were talking to Robert Moss last segment or just this segment. Make sure that whoever you're nominating, you also have some backup behind it. 
and not just half-assing the nomination because that's just going to get it tossed out. And who needs that? So there you go. All right, let's go ahead and... Continuing to produce. All right, all right. Yes, this is the one I wanted right here. Good, good for me. Uh, Lance Owens, who is the realtor to the Barbecue Stars in Hawaii, is asking, what a season... What's a season? Come on, Lance. I forgot what winter was. And I went to see family in St. Louis in December, and it was zero degrees. My wife and son left me there, went home early, never again. Did that really happen, Lance? Your family left you in St. Louis? Like, of all the places to leave you. What's worse than St. Louis? Well, Detroit is worse than St. Louis. But outside of that... You'd be better left in Cleveland. I can't believe I'm saying that out loud. Definitely better than St. Louis. No offense, St. Louis. Lance says that's a true story. Wow. All right, we're back to wrap the first hour right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly media. It was weird. David Lee was talking and then David Lee was cut off. Andrew Barnhart is weighing in in the instant chat. Some people call Brunswick stew a low country boil. Maybe it's different ingredients. Andrew, I'm not going to challenge your correctness on that, but I believe that is wrong. I think a low country boil involves corn and crawfish. Anybody else used to call them crayfish? Is that a New York thing? Crawfish. Potatoes. And you boil it in a pot, and you get picnic tables together, and you line it with newspaper, and you just dump it all out on the table. That's what I would know as a low country boil. A lot of Old Bay. Brunswick stew that I'm used to is exactly what it sounds like. A stew in thickness or viscosity. A lot of barbecue meats in there. So I've never known... Brunswick stew to also be called a low country boil, but I'll make sure we make a note of that and ask the foremost expert, Robert Moss, that next month as we dive into into Brunswick stew talk. Well, look at this. uh, Because we have technology here in the United States, on the Google document in real time, Andrew, Robert Moss is typing the answer. Low Country Boil is not Brunswick Stew, not even close. (laughs) So we will make sure that we hit that next month. Crawdads in northern Minnesota, all right. I said crayfish? I think it was crayfish. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We are wrapping the first hour here. 
Next month with Robert Moss, we're talking Brunswick stew. We're redefining low country boils. And who knows what else nonsense we're going to be talking to him about. RobertFMoss.com is his website. And we are pointing to the second hour. Refresh libations. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. We'll be right back.